Thank you, North. Good, mo good morning to everybody. It is great to see everybody today. What a beautiful day outside and being here together this morning to worship God and to sing praises together and to be in fellowship together. It's a beautiful day inside as well. And we're thankful to be able to have that opportunity to be together. When we think about the book of Ezra, and this is probably a book that is not read very often by very many people. And especially, we might say, people who are just trying to go through Bible studies. Now, maybe some people be reading the Bible through in a year. They'll have different programs to do that. And so they'll read through it once a year just because it's in line with all of the Old Testament books and leading up to the New Testament books. But probably most people don't really read the book of Ezra or much from the book of Ezra in any given year other than if they're just, again, kind of reading through the Bible all the way through in a year, year after year, and so on. A book that we don't study from that much, but we really get some instruction and some illustration as to uh, following God faithfully, teaching God's word in a public way in the book of Ezra. Now, we're not going to go into all the book of Ezra. In fact, I want to really focus on one particular verse out of all of those 10 chapters. But we get something from the book of Ezra and then related to that from the book of Nehemiah because they're covering the same basic period of time as we're going to focus on in chapter 7 and verse 10. The book of Ezra relates the return to Judah of two groups of Israelites from captivity. So we've been... In cap they've, they've been in captivity by the time Ezra comes along for probably about 130 years because at the end of 70 years, the first group would have been allowed to come back. Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar had been the final conqueror of Israel and ultimately devastated, destroyed, tore apart the city of Jerusalem and took the remaining Israelites who were still in the land out of their land as captives. And after 70 years, then in fulfillment of prophecy, Daniel spoke to the king in that captive, in that captive area and said, you know, it's time. You, you need to let us go back. And so the first contingent of the captives of Israel were allowed to return to Jerusalem in after those 70 years and rebuild the temple under Zerubbabel, their leader. That's the first six chapters of the book of Ezra. Chapters 7 through 10 cover the second return approximately 60 years later under the leadership of Ezra. And it's, it, it focuses upon kind of a spiritual reformation that he led the people the Israelites in as he came back with that second contingent and started teaching the word of God and how they needed to be dedicated to God. So Ezra led those who returned from captivity in this second coming back. He led them in something of kind of a what we would call a spiritual revival. And he was refocusing on teaching the people the law of Moses, or basically God's word, his spiritual law for the Israelites, and ultimately for all mankind at that time. 
It's incredible when you read through the history of Israel going back to Judges and then 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, how far removed from the knowledge, the full knowledge of God's word and of God the Israelite people had become. And ultimately that was why God said, yeah, this is it, I draw the line here. You are still worshiping idols and in some cases trying to mix that with worshiping me, but I'm not gonna tolerate this any longer. An idol is nothing. I've warned you through the Old Testament scriptures going all the way back to, uh, to Exodus and then you know, on into Deuteronomy numerous times. I've warned you through the book of Joshua and I've, I've let your foreign neighbors conquer you repeatedly through the book of Judges. But then as you would come to repentance, I'd raise up leaders, kind of champions who were referred to as judges to restore you to your nation in, in independence and freedom. But then you go right back into the worship of idols and unfaithfulness. Does it sound familiar to what we see in our country today? Something happens, cataclysmic, and people start, they get, start getting religious. Or maybe in the, in the individual lives of certain people, something cataclysmic happens, and so they start turning to God. But it's not long till we start getting farther, drifting farther and farther away, is it? And so that's what God dealt with, with the whole nation of Israel, basically. And so Ezra comes along, and so the first contingent had been there back in the land for 60 years. He comes with the second contingent coming back to the, to the land, repopulating the land, and particularly the city of Jerusalem. And so he is not content with just putting up walls and putting up homes or even just rebuilding the temple. He comes to teach the people God's word again. At one point before the captivity, they had gone so far away from God, they had digressed so far from his word, stopped studying it, stopped having it teach, uh, taught to them that they lost the scriptures. And then you get the idea that a priest, you know, kind of, or a Levite kind of going through the temple one day, he, he finds this book, the book of the law, and, and so he takes it to the king or takes it to another of the priests and he takes it to the king and starts reading it to him. And the king becomes extremely repentant because he had never heard it before. How could they look? It would be the equivalent of us losing the Bible. And I'm not talking about an individual in, uh, person or an individual family. I'm talking about all of our nation losing the Bible. And then somebody finds it someplace in a room on a shelf, somewhere back in a closet, and he opens it up and starts reading and he realizes what it is. And then it starts being taught and we say, wow. Well, from my perspective, the first time I read about that, I thought, wow, how could they have lost that? But that's how far people can get away from God. And we keep reading about peoples in different parts of the world who are being taught the gospel being taught the Bible for the very first time. That reality is still out there. Well, as in Ezra's day, many people today would say they have faith in God, but they struggle with living faithfully to God. 
And we need to understand that faith in God and faithfulness to God develop from our learning and obeying God's word and they go hand in hand. If you come up short with, when it comes to faithfulness to God and that means actively living by his teachings, including obedience, then James calls that, when it's lacking that faithfulness, he calls that dead faith. We keep emphasizing, and I don't know how we can overemphasize it. What Paul wrote in Romans 10 and verse 17, some people say, how can I get stronger faith? Why is my faith weak? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we want strong faith, we need to be in God's word. Why did those Israelites become so far away from faithfulness to God that they were worshiping idols on a continuing basis and more and more diminishing their dedication to God? Obviously, they were not in the, in the scriptures enough, if at all. And so the devil knows how to work in those particular situations. So. Ezra comes along and you stop and think now the nation had been removed from their land as a whole for about 130 years so many never would come back to Israel because they had been born in captivity in those foreign lands they grew up in those cultures but contingents were coming back contingents so we need to understand a lesson, a vital lesson that we get, not just from the book of Ezra as a whole, but from one particular focal point in one verse, Ezra chapter seven and verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. If we say, I wanna follow God, we need to get into God's word because God's word teaches us how to follow God by his will. So Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. So first Ezra studied God's word. As we would relate to it today, we'd say, he picked up the Bible and started reading. And he did not just read it over in a simply, you know, glossed over fashion, surface level reading one time and say, I, that, I read it. And that's, at least there's, there's value to that. But he, he wanted to seek the law of the Lord. He wanted to know what it says, what it teaches. And so, he studied God's word. We need to begin with a sincere desire, a hunger to study God's word, to learn what God's word says, because it is the eternal message of life for us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, the apostle Peter spoke along this line. He said, therefore, laying aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, in other words, all kinds of lifestyle that would not be godly and that would not be faithful to God, he says, as newborn babes desire the sincere 
or pure milk of the word that you may be able to grow thereby. We need to have a sincere desire. We need to have a hunger to learn the teachings of God's word because God gave us his word to illuminate our pathway through life so we could stay on that pathway of truth that ultimately will lead us to eternal life in heaven. Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. Jesus talked about that pathway. In Psalm 119 and verse 105, the psalmist said, speaking of God's word, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And so how foolish it is how foolish it is to not fully avail ourselves of the opportunity of God's wisdom, of God's wisdom that he has communicated to us very succinctly in his word. We need to be students of God's word on an ongoing basis. And some people might say, well, what about so-and-so over there? So-and-so over there has to answer to God for themselves. What about you? What about you? Are you in God's word? We need to be diligent students studying, learning God's word on a continuing basis. As the apostle Paul instructed in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling, understanding and applying correctly the word of truth, God's word of truth. Look at how, what, what Paul told Timothy. As Timothy was working with congregations of the Lord's church by direction from the apostle Paul, his mentor, if you would. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 12, Paul told Timothy, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. You be a good example, even to those Christians you're gonna be working with, those congregations, and, and also, to everybody else around you who have yet to become Christians. Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And then Paul says, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. The word doctrine simply means teaching. I keep hearing and I keep observing myself how the Lord's church in so many places is becoming less and less knowledgeable of God's word because less and less scripture is being taught in various congregations. I've used the illustration different times through my preaching life that somebody said, you know, it used to be that, and they gave an example in a courtroom one day, as the judge was sitting behind his bench and the bailiff came up to swear in one of the witnesses, he discovered he was missing. Somehow he had misplaced the Bible. And so normally he would carry that to the witness and say, put your hand in the Bible and say, I do solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. But he didn't have the Bible that day. And so what do you do? And one fellow spoke up and said, put your hand on the head of old Fred over there. He's a member of the Lord's church. He's got as much Bible in his head as you'll find in that Bible. I'm afraid they couldn't say that much about us anymore, could they? On a general basis. And we need to get back to that 
kind of reality. We, the people of Israel, they had so far removed themselves from the teachings of God's word that he turned his back on them and let them be taken captive and removed from their land, literally. The scriptures were written for our learning, our guidance, all the way to heaven. Romans 15 and verse 4, Paul wrote, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. People in this world are groping around for hope, and it's right there before their eyes, and we need to share it with them. But for us to be able to share it with them, we need to have at least a basic understanding of the message of hope that God has given us through Jesus Christ. That message of hope. In John chapter 20, verses, 20 and, uh, verses 30 and 31, the apostle John, in closing his gospel account, he said, truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Could you imagine just what we have written about what Jesus did during his public ministry? The teaching, the healings, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, but that was probably only a fairly small percentage of what he actually did during his ministry upon this earth. John says many other signs he did in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that believing you may have life in his name. Later John wrote in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. The scriptures are there for our instruction, for our learning, and to guide us to eternal life in heaven with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Ezra not only learned God's teachings, but again, chapter 7, verse 10, he had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances to Israel. You see, it's not enough just to learn the scriptures just to understand and agree with those teachings of truth. We need to be obedient to those teachings. We need to make the applications properly to our lives on a consistent basis. God's word needs to be our guidebook through life, our roadmap, so to speak. Now, when we go someplace traveling, maybe we've even been there a number of times, but we don't remember exactly where all the twists and turns might be. So we get out a map, don't we? Or we pull up our GPS and say, give me the best route to such and such place. And particularly so if we've never been to that destination before. God's word is our roadmap to heaven and all the way through life. And so we need to follow the roadmap. We need to study it to know how to go which way to turn, which, which pathway to take. So as Le Ezra learned God's word, he obediently applied it to his life. Jesus said in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 11 and verse 28, blessed are those who hear the word of God 
and keep it. It's the same message in Revelation 1 and verse 3. Jesus said, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. And by that word, keep it, that word keep means they, they believe it and obey it. They live by it. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 21, Jesus answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. What was the setting? Jesus was teaching a multitude of people. He was teaching them God's word, teaching them about his being the savior. Somebody came in to the, before him and said, your, your mother and your brothers are outside. And Jesus, and can you see him sweep his hand across that crowd that was before him at that time and said, these are my mothers and brothers, those who hear the word of God and do it. He was not being disrespectful to his biological mother and, and his physical brothers. He was simply trying to get across the familyhood of the church that he came to this earth to establish. We're family. And as we are baptized into Christ, God adopts us as his children. These are my brothers and my, and my mother, those who are living by my teachings. It's not just hearing, but it is also obeying. Jesus said in John, uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, or not everybody who calls me Lord, not everybody who says they believe in me shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's what Ezra was applying himself to do. He wanted to learn the law of the Lord and to do it, to live by it. James wrote in James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, he talked about how it's not just hearing, but it's doing. What, the, what we're hearing, what we're reading, what we're learning from God's word, it's living by it, making the active applications to our lives that really is even more important than learning it initially. Because if we learn it and we don't do anything with it, how has it helped us? We have not taken full advantage of what God's word says. So beginning in verse 21 of James chapter 1, he wrote, Therefore, be, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, notice, which is able to save your souls. But, a big word here, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For anyone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately he forgets what kind of man he was. What did I see in that image when I looked into the mirror? Did I have a new pimple? Did I have some more freckles? What about that sore, that bump that was bruised? Is, is it fading? Well, he says, he looks in the mirror, he walks off, he forgets all of the images that he saw. But then James goes on and he says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, God's word, the message of salvation and eternal life, 
and continues in it, lives by it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. He puts it into practice. He makes the proper applications. True love for God, for Christ, is demonstrated by obedience. Jesus said repeatedly in the 14th chapter of John, and this was on the night of his betrayal, he'd be on the cross the next day. John 14 and verse 15, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In verse 21, he said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. In verses 23 and 24, he went on again and he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the world which you hear, the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Three times in just a few verses, Peter, uh, Jesus emphasized, if you really love me, you will follow my teachings. You will live by my teachings. You will obey my teachings. So Ezra did not want to stop with just learning God's word. He wanted to do it. Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Oh, that's the third part of that lesson. He wanted to seek to learn the law of the Lord and he wanted to make sure he would put it into practice in his life faithfully and consistently and then he would start teaching those teachings to people around him. So third, Ezra taught the teachings of God's word to the people of Israel he had come to be among in this second contingent of coming back to the land of Israel after captivity. Nehemiah is a parallel to this particular section of Ezra. And so Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1, beginning with verse 1, reading through verse 8. The text reads, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses. God's word. Bring it. We want to hear it. Which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding. So men, women, and obviously I think we can understand children who are old enough to understand what was being taught on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning till midday. Before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. They wanted to hear. They wanted to learn. And the text goes on. So Ezra the scribe, the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose. Does it look familiar to what we commonly refer to as 
podiums today, rostrums, pulpit areas. See, we learn about preaching as we understand it from largely the beginning from Ezra. And so he stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose and beside him at his right hand stood, and the text goes on and talks about different individuals there. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was standing above all the people and when he opened it, all the people stood up and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. They were into the lesson. They were into the reading. They were into the learning of God's word while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And the Levites helped the people to understand the law. And so Ezra had some helpers along the way. It must have been a massive crowd gathered. And so there were some of the Levites, the priestly tribe, and they were helping the people understand more accurately what Ezra was, was reading to them. And the people stood in their place and they read distinctly from the book in the law of God. And they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. We need to understand God's word. And we cannot do that without somehow studying it. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul wrote the things, and he's telling Timothy, the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And that's God's plan, his methodology for spreading the gospel, for spreading his word throughout all of humanity, all over the world in every generation. Teach people the word and teach them to teach others and then to teach others. And it's a recycling kind of process so that people everywhere can have been taught, can have, been lear can, can have learned the teachings of God's word. And this is exactly what Jesus told the apostles to do. And that's still our mission today. It didn't end about 1900 years ago at the end of the first century, it's still in force today. He told the apostles in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, and that's our instruction today, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, amen. In Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21, the apostle Paul wrote, since talking about the world, since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom, their own wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached, the simple methodology of preaching and teaching his word. And there's nothing more effective to get the teachings of his word across today than that way that he laid out in the very beginning of New Testament Christianity. We gotta teach it, we gotta study it, we gotta help people understand it. We gotta preach it consistently and regularly and continually. In the wisdom of God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those 
who believe. Lessons from Ezra. Ezra wanted to know God's word. And learning it, he wanted to live by it, to properly obey those teachings. And then he wanted to teach God's word to the people around him. We need to be diligent, consistent students of God's word today. We need to not only read it and believe it and we say, yeah, that's what I believe, all right. We need to live by those teachings. We also need to take seriously our responsibility to teach God's word throughout the world in every generation and help them see the blessed message of forgiveness, of redemption, of salvation that God has given to all mankind in all generations laid out neatly for us in this one book, the Bible. Let us be the church that God wants us to be every day of every year until the Lord comes back. Let us individually long to keep learning God's word and to live by it and to be an example and even a teacher to others as much as we can be about the saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are ready to obey that gospel message, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Jesus as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, the message is still just as powerful today. It is the message of the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, Romans 1 and verse 16. And it can have that power for you if you will obey it, not just listen to it and learn it and believe it, but obey it and then live by it. Jesus said, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. We'd love to assist you with your baptism into Christ for the remission of your sins this very day. If you need to study some more, we'll study with you if you just ask us. Maybe you need the church to pray for you for some situation in your life. We're here. We're ready. We'll pray if you'll step forward and let us know or talk with us privately. But if you need to come, let us learn the lessons from Ezra. Let us apply them to our lives consistently as we stand and sing.